It sounds like a Rammstein CD skipping. <laughs> skipping. You right. know, like it's extreme on extreme. Motherfucking goddamn orange peel beef. <laughs> Welcome to One Fucking Hour, of course, the show where we have just one hour to talk about one fucking movie. I'm uh, Evan Husney, uh, joined, of course, we got to my left over here, we got Tom Fitzgerald in the house. Hi, everybody. (laughs) How's it going? And uh, we got uh, also Mr. Marcus Herring, as always. Greetings. All right, and we also have special guest returning champion to the channel here. We got Ramy Bennett, and uh oh, you know what that means? We're in st- we're all in store for a demented ass flick if Ramy's here. So, Ramy, what's going on? Good evening, everyone. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I, of course. I know I would have appreciated a trigger warning before <laughs> watching this movie. No, sorry. Nobody what? said anything. Oh shit. Sorry. No. Trigger warning. You've never seen it. You've never seen it? I'd never right. seen it. No, Evan was just like, watch it on the big screen. Yeah, make it loud. <laughs> That's right. Blast the volume. Turn it up. Yeah. yeah. Crank it. Yeah. Funny. I think I might have said like it was an audiovisual treat or something, which might, in hindsight, yeah. Yeah, doesn't like reflect yeah. super well. Yeah. But, oh, uh, boy. Oh, boy. It is what it is. It is what it is, but hey, we don't make lo- these movies. <laughs> no, we just true. talk about them for one fucking hour. Um, but uh, yeah. this flick, uh, it, it does have some amazing stylistic stuff, which we're going to get into in the course of the hour here. So, and that, of course, is one fucking hour. Your episode number forty-three, one fucking hour on oh. the the entity, the NTT. Um, <laughs> all right, uh, y'all ready for this? Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm going to start the clock. Here we go. All right. Just a little background on this movie before we get into it here. Okay. The Entity from 1982 is the unrelenting and viscerally intense supernatural horror film starring Barbara Hershey as a working single mother of three in Culver City struggling to make ends meet. The film opens as she is suddenly and brutally attacked and raped by an invisible force. After repeated nightly attacks, she is pushed to the brink of sanity and begins to seek out answers. Despite skeptical psychiatrists and high-budget experimental reenactments of the attacks conducted by paranormal experts, the (laughs) the film asks, could this be a case of traumatic psychosis or something much more horrific and far beyond our understanding? All right, so this is the movie tonight. Um... I think I think how I first heard about this movie was I think maybe I'm guessing maybe around ten or so years ago. I mentioned it on last week's episode, but Martin Scorsese published a list of his top eleven scariest movies of all time. Eleven too is a funny number, but that's what he did. And this movie like beat out a lot of other classic shit on that list. And it was kind of like, whoa, what is this movie? I've never even heard of it. And that prompted me to go check it out. And then, of course, I'm popping it in, and like right from minute four, this movie is delivering some pretty freaky shit and some pretty yeah. intense scenes. So, um, but I think what's really interesting about it, and we'll get into here, Ramy, in just a second, is that um, 
I mean, yeah, when I saw it on this list, I'm like, I never even heard of this. And looking back into it in the context of when it came out, 1982, 1983, it was, it really fell through the cracks because as you had, you know, you had this movie called Poltergeist sort of come right in around that time, totally ate its lunch, as Tom likes to say. So it was pretty bad. It was pretty much bad timing for the movie. Um, but of course, you know, Raimi. We revisited this movie just a few days ago under some yes. pretty uh, uh, bizarre circumstances. And uh, boy, does it ever hold a still packs a stiff punch. Yeah. And I, th I think in terms of the, the release, so the film was, it was actually filmed in 1981, which is the time period we like to discuss here. Oh, yeah. Um, but it was released in 1982 in England and in Europe. It didn't come out in, in the States until huh. 1983. By right. that time, Poltergeist had come out in 82, had made you know a massive splash, obviously as a masterpiece. And by the time Entity came out in America, it, people felt like, oh, is this kind of like a, a rip-off comparison or a rip-off? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's one of those movies I, I saw it, you know, a, a long time ago and I've always found it really, really affecting. Um, so when we were doing this podcast, I was like, all right, well, I'm going to get the Blu-ray. So I ordered the Blu-ray <laughs> and we were going up to my, see, visit my little sister who's 13, um, up at my dad's house upstate. And I was saying, Evan, like we, we got to show her the entity, uh, <laughs> like we got to do a screening. Really? You know? <laughs> and I was and, like, I hang on. And I, and I was like, I don't know, you know, I don't know about that. And it was like, no, 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 it's fine. Let's go. Let's go. And so we had a, movies. we just watched Carrie. She loves Carrie. She loves the shiny. Okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. I was like, she's, she's, she can handle this. And Evan's like, dude, no, this is, this is insane. Yeah. So like, <laughs> so a little I, nuts. I finally but, convinced him. Go it ahead. was a family screening. I just want to reiterate that it was a family screening. Your dad was there, sister. Like we're watching this movie as a family, and Yay. Uh, and um, uh, <laughs> but but yeah. um, but 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 go on, Remy. Go on. Sorry. No. So so you know the movie comes on, and I think it's like I hadn't seen it in a few years. I saw it anthology um, in the theater a few years ago, but I hadn't seen it in a little while, and I kind of forgot how like right off the bat this it, you have that like insanely yeah. brutal assault scene so my little sister like i see her as, as we're watching it and i'm realizing that she's like definitely getting affected by this and i'm like oh whoa okay we can totally turn this off like like let me know blah 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 and like yeah. it, you know she ended up watching most of it but we we eventually turned it off and then she was like you know kind of convinced that this was real and that like ghosts were real and she was so it, it was intense it, it, well you know it hit really it, it did. And it was also like the fact that the movie is built to be based on a true story. And, you know, there are elements of this, which, which we'll get into. Uh, this movie is based on a true account of a real woman who suffered a lot of the things that happened in this movie. Obviously, some liberties are taken more towards the end of the film. But I think her, your sister kind of realizing, wait a minute, this is this is a true story, you know, and obviously. And, and, Allegedly. And, well, I mean, <laughs> but... I, I mean, it is it, it it's a true story in some ways, but also like it's 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 a little more complicated than just saying it's a true story. Let's put it that way. And I guess it just you know it speaks to how still affecting and brutal it is today. You know. So. Oh yeah, and 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 let me just say that like you know kids her generation, like thirteen years old, when they're watching you know even The Shining or like these classic horror films we grew up on, that's all like funny to them. That's all oh goofy effects, and that's not scary, and that's not funny. Oh, this okay. movie terrified her yeah, you know sure. and and yeah. so 
And so I mean, it, I think that it would be something. like, yeah, I mean, it would be scary enough without all the rape stuff. It would be a scary movie just the way it's executed and, and like the general theme of it. But like then all the psychosexual rape, graphic, violent rape scene makes it just straight up disturbing. You know, like yeah. it's. And I think that's it's no surprise that like I you know I I'd never seen it either you know this is my first viewing of it. And mom, um, what happened with you? I, I just <laughs> disturbed. Well, <laughs> but no, I uh, amazingly enough, um, I saw this when it came out, and I was a kid. And uh, of course, so we would go to the mall every Saturday, just automatically. Me and my stupid friends and my extended stupid school friends, and we just go to the mall. And it's like, whatever the movie was, you just go. That's one of the things you did at the mall. So a lot of times it was like creep show at this period, Spinal Tap, awesome. Actually, Poltergeist, we saw at this theater. And then wow. one day it's the entity. I didn't know what the hell was going on. It, you know, it's, it's marketed with the poster and everything like that as being like a, the Boogans or like, you know, the Boogeyman or something, you know, just some kind of more normal, campy kind of thing. And it wasn't, it was sparsely attended. And what I'm saying is, you know, like if, if we saw like Friday the 13th part four or something at that theater, it was a party. It was yeah. packed. And, right. be like, what? Oh, and it's like, what's that? And it's like, oh, she can't look, you know, like someone down the row. But this was just like sparsely attended. And I don't remember too many details, but I just remember everybody was like sullen and staring silently. And it was just such an enormous bummer. And it just wasn't fun. And all I remember was the indentation of the breasts. Uh, that yeah. the, the you know invisible ghost is making on on her breast the indentations and it's just yeah it was nothing happened it was just like upsetting and unpleasant and so unlike what we were used to with horror movies and uh it just left a bad taste in me and every kid's mouth who actually wound up attending unknowingly and for some reason we could just go to every r-rated movie yeah we're like 12 years old or something like that i don't really know i didn't i haven't realized until i thought about it now like <clears throat> Just nothing was a barrier for us, you know. Right. Uh, you could buy cigarettes back then at twelve. <laughs> no, no, I mean, the, no, no, I mean, like the movies, you know, like we, like, yeah. like, yeah. no movie was ever like, whoa, kids, right. slow down, just get in here, buy popcorn. So, um, yeah, and then I kind of completely forgot about it, and uh, so I rewatched it last night, and I was like, wow, yeah, I was, I myself was a, a child when I saw this, and uh, what, and on the big screen and huge and loud, and yeah, it wasn't fun. It was. I remember that. It just remember. It was the most sour modern movie I saw at the mall, easily. easily. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it rings true. The movie does ring true. Like, it has a sense of authenticity, obviously, because of Barbara Hershey's performance. But the subject yeah. matter is dealt with in in almost a realistic way. Besides yes. the paranormal aspects of it, right? I mean, rewatching it even now, when my sister was getting upset, like I actually had a moment where I felt like I was having a panic attack for a second. Um, maybe we can go through Evan that first yeah. scene, like explain why it's so feels so brutal, and kind yeah. of maybe walk through that, like yeah, um, yeah, for sure. It really throws you right in the deep end, you know. So it's like I think it's interesting because the opening credits are kind of this condensed montage of this woman's life. So right off the bat, you're it's this great condensed character development where Barbara Hershey's character is at a typing class. She has like a night job. She's running home to the kids, putting the dishes, you know, in the, the sink. Mm. Um, you're like, okay, working class mom, single mom. Mm. Um, she checks in with her, you know, son, older son. And then she goes to her room and is brushing her hair uh, by her vanity. And 
then she is just like suddenly abruptly you know brutally thrown down onto the bed and her head is like smashed down i think that i think that was what got me the most it's very realistic like it's her head is being suffocated into the pillow and then the score just starts going I know that score. And the, the score assaults you and the viewer. You're just completely getting assaulted yeah. by it. It's 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 industrial music. Yeah. But it's not industrial music. You know what? Uh, Go ahead. Oh no! I, I it, it's rough. It's it's yeah. It's brutal industrial music. And I, I used to make when I when I worked in retail, I'd make a, a room like a, at the end of the night, I would put on my room clearing mix to make customers leave the store. And man, I was thinking last night, I was like, damn, I wish I knew about this song back then because this is a total room clearer, you know? You know what it sounds like? You know what it sounds like to me? It sounds like a Rammstein CD skipping. Skipping, You right. know, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's extreme on extreme. Uh, oh, yeah. At, at first I was like, this song is amazing. It's so cool. And then, you know, but, you know, you better learn to love it because you're going to hear it a lot yeah. in this movie. I, I'm going to be perfectly honest. I'm just reading my note here. Uh, monotonous question mark? Obnoxious question mark? With the, uh, with the industrial, like, uh, I don't know how I felt about the music, actually. I was a little, it's striking at first. And then I was like, boy, I wish they played with it maybe a little bit more. Yeah. Okay. And also, I literally just had to keep turning down the volume. Yeah, oh. I'm like hearing people, and then it's like, oh, I have to turn down the fucking volume. It's, oh, no. it's like they it's were so, just like uh, extreme. It was like they went to the composer and just like bash tra- trash can lids together, and like this is what you should make it sound like, you know? Okay, it's so. Is that, are you gonna about to say that's exactly what they did? Well, I respect <laughs> its extreme uh, element. I absolutely Definitely. respect it, but experientially, I was just like, oh boy, it was brutal. It's it was brutal. So, brutal. It's yeah. it's brutal. Let, let me just just because we're on the subject of the score, um, yeah, sure. there, there's uh, I'm sure we're going to get into talking about the director too of this movie, who's kind of a pretty deep cut director as well for this film, Sidney yeah, Fury. Um, but uh, w- there, there's an interesting special feature on the Blu-ray release where they interviewed the composer. Highly recommend it, by the way. Uh, very very interesting. But uh, is he the, a, a a harsh? Eastern European, East German guy. <laughs> he scored that... a Nightmare on Elm Street. So... Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. So he's he's a he's a very accomplished uh, composer, and he oh. um he talks about um the direction that the filmmaker gave him to come up with that song, and and there's also song. another song. So, <laughs> song. Q, sorry, Q, Q. There's another Q in the film, or another theme they have in the movie too, where it's kind of all the precipitating stuff, right? And the director referred to the 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 hard industrial stuff as the thrasher. Give me the thrasher, he would yeah. say, oh. quote unquote. Yeah. Okay. So it, it's actually called the thrasher, and then the other Whoa. one is called the high dread. High so the. Dread. Yeah, the high dread and the thrasher. So it's like, all right, now we're going to this scene. Give me the thrasher. Now give me the high yeah. dread. You know, and that's kind of tight, actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I might need to pick up the vinyl for it because it is that, yes. you know, it's that yes. weird. It's that it, weird. It, did it come out? <laughs> yeah. There's oh, a yeah. vinyl? There's, oh, yes. Wow. That's <laughs> the thing. In terms of that, the score slash what feels like sound design, 
For me, it's very much referential to The Haunting from 1963 that Robert Wise directed with Julie Harris. Um, If you guys, I mean, I'm sure you've seen The Haunting. Um, If that's kind of like the gold standard, I think of Haunted House and sort of like psychosis, female psychosis movies combined. And the whole motif in that movie is the idea that she when she's in bed she keeps on hearing this banging and the banging is the score which is also supposed to be the soul of the house terrorizing her and then you have all the dutch angles and yeah really really so it's definitely echoing that film okay oh 100% and the haunting is still very very scary like and it it has a lot of and and so the scene when she's she still doesn't realize barbara hershey like you know what's happening is there a man in my house and she's frantic she's running around like the fucking you know thrasher music and Mm -hmm. then you you see like the mirrors the reflections the dutch angles and it's like the total you know kind of that moment of total chaos and hysteria um so yeah I i think i think it's a pretty wild opening in that sense i I gotta say one thing just thinking out loud like um the extreme uh on and on the binary quality like i was i was talking about my volume problems last night those trying to think (laughs) of my neighbors and it was just like i was like oh it's happening And I had to race over to turn down the levels a bit. What I'm saying is that indicated to me that there's no, there's a hard on and off. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, hey, birthday cake. Like, there's not even one second of ramp up. That's all. So much broken glass. Too. like it's the glass. it's the music and then like every window in that house broken like six or seven times over yeah. the course of the movie <laughs> I, I i i love it i i, I absolutely love it happen pretty quickly like so it's like i think you're, mm-hmm. you feel like you like you said marcus like sort of assaulted as the audience like because she she goes to her friend's house she has that then she comes back and i feel like that scene is really beautifully done where she's in the bed she's sort of waiting like it's something gonna happen and then slowly mm. she's kind of looking around you have the score mm-hmm. come in. The camera's kind of that is good. Towards it, and the oh, camera movements are beautiful. And then it's like, bam, another. And like, I think there's a lot of intentionality in that scene, which is really nice. And then you're the, like, there's yeah. a lot. There's a lot interesting that just the repetition. Yeah, that's a weird thing that they played with. I don't know how successful it was ultimately, but like just the, that it, it's the same setup again, quiet and then on again, and it happens so many times. Like I accidentally, I did watch it on VLC. Apologies, but like I accidentally clicked <laughs> back in it, and I like I was doing something else, and I clicked, I accidentally clicked back, like like you know about four minutes or something, and it took me like five minutes to realize that the I was watching the same scene over again because I'd already. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And I yeah, think that um, goes to the nature of the subject matter. Like it's you, you're in her experience, you know, like that it's this unrelenting experience that like she cannot yeah. stop she has no control over yeah and it's it takes over like very suddenly and is all-encompassing if i can just real quick because uh i also just think like as we're talking about the score and everything we touched on it a little bit but also the cinematography in this movie is out of control in terms of how they are framing there's so many scenes that have s- such unconventional framing 
and you're seeing cameras in very, you know, very interesting positions, a lot of canted angles, a lot of Dutch angles, a lot of amazing push-ins. And, of course, you look at who the cinematographer was, and you have Stephen Burham, who is De Palma's guy. So you're looking at the guy who did Body Double, oh. and you're looking at the guy who did like oh. even the freakier stuff like Raising Cain or whatever, maybe potential one oh. fucking hour in the future. But he, yeah. it was like... It, and and like you're seeing that like wow the way they're constructing these scenes especially that second attack scene uh, the way that it slowly just kind of unfolds and everything that is a genuinely terrifying sequence I think that might be one of the more terrifying sort of ghost poltergeist esque scenes I think I've ever seen but yeah. if if we can just to back it up uh, let's just kind of fill in the gap here with the movie so after the first attack scene. You know, she runs out of the house, she takes the kids, she takes everybody and goes to her friend's house and seeks refuge sort of there, right? And that's really interesting because in that moment, her friend talks to her and basically says, you need to seek psychiatric help, paraphrasing, you know, but that's such a key moment because that really takes the movie and then grounds it, you know, into like, wait a minute now here, maybe there is, maybe this isn't just like a, a supernatural film. Maybe there is something else that's going on. And I think that's, that's a really smart move, even, you know, even though it's based on the real story, which we'll get into, but I think that was interesting move. But then of course she kind of senses, you know, Barbara Hershey senses she's not welcome in the house. So in another kind of wild scene, they all leave the house and sleep like in the car on the beach, which I think is also kind of a nice moment there. But then she goes back, and now that's where we're at now and what we're talking about in terms of the second attack scene. And so, yeah, it's just completely relentless. But the movie, and maybe, Ramy, you want to get into this, plays really with a theme that's obviously much more prescient now. But um, back then, it's just the theme of being believed, you know? like, And, and I think that's truly what is scary about this movie in a lot of ways and, and something that this character is going through throughout the entire film, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I mean, the film definitely, you know, watching it with a modern lens, I mean, it's definitely like a feminist parable, you know, but at the same time, it's a legitimate horror film. Um, so I, I think that the film is interesting because you can view it on many levels, like you can view it as a complete metaphor, you can view it as an exploration of sort of like psychoses and trauma and all that stuff, or you can view it as like, this is a supernatural paranormal movie you know um so i think it's interesting because in each scene they kind of play with like all of those dimensions and as the audience you're kind of asking all those questions and looking at it from all those angles and i think the scene when she the very first scene when she goes to see the psychiatrist um uh, played by ron silver and it's you know she's completely just thrashed and and you know, beside herself in like a shell, you know, she's been assaulted for like three nights straight. Her life is, you know, in danger. And it's that scene is so interesting to me because it mirrors so much when you, you know, when someone is assaulted and they have to go to the hospital afterwards and they're interrogated by a doctor or they're interrogated by police. And it's sort of this re-traumatizing experience and also the history of women living through that and not being believed, you know? So it's like within that experience, you're sort of witnessing the way that like, you know, the, me the medical institution treats women sort of as like second-class citizens, you know? And so mm -hmm. there's all that Freudian stuff about like the hysterical woman. He's sort yeah. of like the intellectual coming to save the working class mother, you know? And she's, she's just, you know, she's not being taken seriously even from a psychological standpoint, he's not interested in hearing. Well, yeah, I noticed that. Yeah. yeah. Not you know, just uh, dismissed by like, uh, you know, like a, a general practitioner doctor about like, 
well, this is witch doctor stuff. This is absurd. Let's talk about damage to your knee or something like that. Like, like you'd think a psychiatrist would at least uh, play ball. Yeah. You know, and right. he, he, he doesn't at all. And I was, I was surprised that that character uh, did that um, and was, of course, trying to uh, steer her uh, in a way that was, you know, to, to make her less crazy, quote unquote. But I don't know what his his long term goal was, because, um, well, he does he does some talk therapy, right? In, yeah. in the sense of getting to know more about her backstory, which helps right. him in whatever he's trying to do. And it does help us. What do you guys think of that? I mean, this character, I'm ignoring the real story because I do not know it. But in the reality of the film, like, what do you think of the baggage this woman is carrying? Yeah. And, 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 and what a psychoanalyst would probably, who, who might have seen this before. Yeah. Seeing her, you know, like someone is hallucinating. Someone is making, distorting something because right. of their trauma. What, what do you think of that? How much that informs her past, informs what's happening to her? Well, I think, I think it probably, it literally does from like a psychiatric perspective um there is it, it's funny i was doing a lot i'm doing psychology right now at school i went back to school oh. so i'm studying right now my course right now is about like adult pathology and disorders and we're learning a lot about like ptsd so i was actually doing research oh. about ptsd in relation to like paranormal uh people claiming that they've had paranormal experiences and mm. there's a very legitimate syndrome you guys should look it up it sounds fake but it's called haunted people syndrome and it is okay. and it's weird because there was a new study recently that they just did again about this syndrome which kind of speaks about the fact that doctors don't tend to take this seriously because of obviously the history of like paranormal yeah more but at the end of the day it's a very 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 extreme version of ptsd um where oh wow okay patients become almost tactile um so obviously there's forms of like psychosis with like schizophrenia or other things where you have auditory hallucinations mm -hmm. but there's there's a more extreme version of almost like a night terror where you wow. actually manifest these hallucinations and can sometimes feel the presence you know and there yeah. was something i was reading about called like the betrayal trauma which is directly related to people who were sexually abused as children by someone who was close to them like a parent figure um and there's a shame obviously a huge amount of shame involved but there's this idea that you need to protect that secret so much because you can't even admit that you don't even right. admit that yourself right. so then it gets so buried and so repressed um, that later in life when it manifests, it's like that much stronger, but comes out as a projection of your psyche. Um, mm. So I think I think that is like, and there are many cases and that the real woman, Doris Byther, was experiencing this and she was dealing with psychiatrists and therapists who were talking about this stuff. And she decided to go towards a parapsychologist because there's also another syndrome where people almost feed off of that, you know, like, right people that are validating that they kind of go towards that because that's their well isn't that a confirmation bias too yeah exactly and there's a contagion psychological contagion that's also a problem yeah. of this so if you have people around you that you are kind of egging on or bringing into yeah. that environment back and forth they're reinforcing it and they're it and then it yeah. creates this sort of tension that and guess what i do know that this woman had this experience whatever it was in 1974 yes which is pay dirt time for, mm. you know, people <laughs> yeah. like talking, talking to their plants yeah. and, uh, you know, aura photographs of people's auras. So exactly. it was in the zeitgeist, it's simply stated. Yeah. Uh, so um, I, I just wonder if, if this had happened a hundred years before with this woman 
or you know something like it um it would probably just be that jesus christ is talking to her exactly no, or, wouldn't it wouldn't be like religion? a succubus or incubus yeah, or something succubus. right like i mean like that's like a historical thing right like that well there's the historical but i mean like in the um pre-paranormal like like yeah. a western 20th century context like um it would it would all just go right to religion Completely. you know like we're like post-religion you know right that's a really good point because it's it's like people are drawing from the whatever the vernacular is of the day you know yeah, that's and awesome. in 1974 i mean you have the amityville stuff oh, happening right you have the talk- esp stuff happening i mean so it's all very similar it's it's basically yeah evan go ahead I was just going to tag in right there just because that's, we talked about that last week with Martin, you know, it's that it's I an interesting, know. it's an yeah. interesting it's another film about superstition and modernity. Right. Yeah, exactly. Which is, wow. Weird. We didn't even intend for this to happen. I know. But I mean, so I mean, weird. but that, it's so weird. And, and, and we were really at the end of Martin, uh, the end, the end of last week's episode, we were really getting into the idea of kind of the power of suggestion, you know, um, as right. well in terms of how that exactly. sort of trauma and, and that trauma linked with Martin. Uh, but Marcus, you're, you're, you're say something? Yeah, I was just thinking the role of the psychologist in this seems to be to kind of like justify pushing her to the, you know, the sort of like Ghostbuster type guys, the, um, the uh, guys that work at the university in the paranormal yeah. lab or whatever. Um, so he kind of pushes her. It's kind of complicated because he does come in and save her from there kind of, you know, later on. But but I don't want to get into that. Now, I just wanted to, um, you know, like I'm a – here's what was going through my head watching this is like I'm a total skeptic, right? And so like a lot of this stuff, not about the rape stuff, but about the ghosts, you know, and like ghost right. skeptic. Okay, just want to clear yeah. that up. But – However, there's been a few things in my life where that, that that this movie reminded me of. Like one, my mom always says that she saw a ghost when she was a kid, and she could explain it. It gave her an asthma attack. It was her grandmother. All this stuff. So, you know, I always believed my mom on that, of course, even though I'm a total skeptic. And then also, I I used to have sleep paralysis, and um, oh. at different points in my life, and I I when I was a kid, I saw the shadow people. Like I would have shadow people dreams. And yeah. they would come in and pick up my bed and spin the bed around, and like it would Whoa, be hyper real, you know. And um, mm-hmm. I would sometimes I would wake up and I couldn't move, but I could see around, you know. And I would think that there would be a figure there. And uh, one other time, I um, I woke up and I was this is when I was a little bit older, like teenager or something. And like I woke up, I couldn't move, and I felt this something pulling my leg, and it pulled me off the bed. But then when I woke up. I was in bed again, but it was like, it was like, it was real, you know, but Whoa. then, so some of these things, like I'm, I'm like more skeptical Dude. than anybody you'll ever meet, you but, need to I've see had, someone. but I've yeah. had some of these experiences, you know, and so it's, haunted, that's yeah. stuff, that kind of stuff is going through my head. Haunted um, Marcus. I was going to say haunted <laughs> yeah. Marcus syndrome. I yeah. Uh, you this book. I you see you guys shit. Hold it in front yeah, of your face. Uh, I got it. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Replace your face for a second. And then it hits the boom right there. Okay. All right. Found this at a used bookstore the other day, and it's Poltergeist, and it's the same font that, like, from the Poltergeist poster. But I know it's a, it's a parapsychologist who wrote this book. I swear to God, Steven Spielberg and Toby Hooper read this book. But oh. it's it's a it's it's from the seventies, and it's a parapsychologist talking about all the different departments of parapsychology at the time, the history of parapsychology. What, what you're talking about, Marcus, he touches on a lot, and. Um, in the 70s, there was like a huge resurgence of this parapsychology research at, at like UCLA, Princeton, Duke University. Right. In the, thir- in the 30s, it was sort of like when it first started. And then the 70s, there was this renewed interest in all that stuff like you were saying. Uh, post LSD 
hangover. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it just is, yeah. you know, yeah. mind expanded people. LSD, and then like, yeah, then the, the telekinesis, I can move stuff with my mind. Yeah. People were genuinely really researching stuff, you know? Yeah. yeah. And so more so, open-minded to be, to be kind, you know? Well, what's, but what's interesting about the book when I started to read it is, is the guy says, when we start learning about poltergeists, what we learn more about than demons, spirits, or ghosts is the nature of the human personality. And so even the parapsychologist that they were studying that because it was, they were psychologists. They were, you know, it was just mm -hmm. about how do we kind of, what happens when your mind can actually project phenomena. Right. And it could that happen. Is, that is a qualifiable phenomenon. Right. What is happening inside a person's mind. Yes. It's, it's I, as much yes. as anything happening in any person's exactly. mind. Exactly. And so it was, yeah. it's less about just, you know, plates being thrown around and right. disturbances. And it's okay. like, That's we have valid. inside of us, we have this energy. Right. What happens when it kind of crosses over and what's the difference between our, our brain and, and the real versus, you know, what's inside our mind. Um, so Evan, if yeah. I can tag in, sorry, because uh, it's a great little segue there, too, in terms of, um, you know, we were talking about in Martin last week, we're talking about the um, the real story behind the Amityville Horror House, you know, that it's based on. There is a wicked, weird ass documentary out there called My Amityville Horror, which is about mm, one of the that. kids yeah. who grew up in the house. And it's it's amazing because it's just a. It's Pretty just this cool. guy. It is cool. He's like, yeah. it's he, he's this total kind of metalhead dude, you know, who's mega traumatized, smoking cigarettes, drinking Mountain Dew, and like swearing at you throughout the whole movie. But um, it's it is kind of speaking to that where I think it is getting in, inside that psychology, what we're kind of talking about here, but in a little bit of a different yeah. way. Um, real quick, just didn't to, they like kind of didn't they? There's a lot of suspicion. I mean, not suspicion, but wasn't there like a lot of evidence that the Amityville people just kind of made it up for the book oh, I, type I, thing? I, well, I, I think there's a lot of well, yeah. Uh, without yes. spoiling the thing, but it's a lot of power of suggestion. It is very Martin. What we were talking about the end of the Martin and episode. child abuse. I mean, oh, and child. Right. It's just straight up child abuse. It's like yeah, we're going to manufacture. Yeah, this guy was very yeah. abusive. Yeah, right. abusive. And to also, yeah. something this... bad did happen at that house. Yes, which right. just would freak out if you lived next door to that house. Yeah, it would balloon up into this strange hell on earth, <laughs> pulsating weird place instead of a place that was maybe a crime scene. Yeah, you, know, right. you know, people people get the fears and they do things with their heads, you know. So yeah, they, right. they they you know that's what that's what monsters are. Exactly. You know, uh, if I'll just give you one Tom's dumb five cent uh, theory, monsters I think are derived from deformed children, honestly, because uh, you know a woman would give birth to a very fucked up deformed child, <laughs> uh, like and it looks very weird and heavy. And so then, you know, they banish it. They probably kill it or something like that. But that 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 huge impact on the village, just witnessing something that's not a normal-looking human being. It's supposed to be cute. I think that just like is waves and for generations of the fears that slowly grow into becoming the monsters in the, in the woods are like just the deformed wow. baby that's going to be abandoned in the woods. So I don't know. Maybe I'm a hundred percent wrong. But I just feel like that's part of what human minds do, especially minds that are less, you know, uh, informed by, you know, like basic facts, you know, the things that allow us in this modern world to have air conditioning and airplanes and stuff like that. I think that they just got really fanciful and the fear just encap, you know, um, overwhelmed them, yeah. you know, and, and all it was though, and was a genetic problem 
that's very basic if you have basic science right. understanding. Well, you don't there's understand, some right? sort of like psychology that happens to people that are a true believer and then yeah. they can like make they like go to lengths to make things happen like they believe in some supernatural thing but then they also are like faking it at the same time right like um i'm not i'm just gonna go out and let and talk about someone that what's up when they have like when they're bleeding out their stigmata? eyes it's like a religious oh. stigmata, stigmata. Right? right like i mean like yeah. and bleeding out their hands and stuff like i mean well, I think that's probably not real, right? But like that, they may they believe it, but also maybe faked it too, you know, or like yeah. went to some lengths to make it happen too. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. So that could happen with ghosts too, where like you believe it, but then you also are faking it at the same time. Like and cult leaders do that too, right? Where they yes. they 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 know that they're fleecing everyone, but they also believe that they're God, and they know that they're fleecing everyone at the same time. Both things you can con convince yourself of both things, uh, two things at once that are mutually exclusive and, 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 yeah. and work to like achieve them. So well, I think it'll get you wobbling away from reality about the film though. Yeah. Is, it's like, and I think what you guys are saying in terms of this quality, it's kind of like a narcissistic quality as well. Like it's sort of like wanting to believe that fantasy, wanting to kind of be almost empowered by that otherworldly mm. phenomenon. Whereas in yeah. this film, it's interesting because the real life woman, Doris, I think had a lot of those qualities. She was supposedly, you know, a very bad alcoholic. She mm -hmm. had a very contentious relationship with her children. There was a lot of anxiety, a lot of turmoil, a lot of emotional duress and stress in that family. Setting. If I might, were they yeah. living in a condemned home? Yeah, yeah, they were living in Culver City in the house and it was wow. condemned. And it kept wow. on being condemned by the city and it was it was really rough like they were living in very 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 rough conditions sort of um by like by you know struggling you know and, and like streetwise kind of life yeah and she was raising film. these kids and there wow. was and 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 when you there was interviews i think with the son and there was a lot of intensity and, and tension and i think the sort of having the the attention even of the parapsychologist what mm. happened in real life is like she was having these situations happening um and she was in a bookstore which happens in the real movie and she overheard a conversation between these that's two real students oh, that really happened that, really that happened. happened it felt so contrived yeah. i was yeah. waiting for the marcus plausible part. <laughs> i was I waiting for marcus to come in with that one yes, i was i knew <laughs> i was like marcus, stranger than Mar fiction i was like marcus so is not gonna buy that looking through books and then <laughs> these guys are like what yeah and they, they're the students at ucla his names i wrote it down dr da uh dr barry taff and so basically what happened is they wow. were like all right let's go over let's check it out they bring a team over they start documenting shit that's going on in the house like green lights that are yeah. going crazy and all these different like you said the aura shit they're taking pictures weirdly there's a rich tradition of spirit photography yes, <laughs> right. yes totally which is obviously completely debunked Love it. Uh, at this point but so <laughs> He then, which is very strange, he and this doctor, this kid, parapsychologist, invites his friend over, who's a writer and a filmmaker, to be like, you got to come over and help document this. And that guy, now I'm forgetting his name, but he wrote Audrey Rose um, as well. Right, right. He right. ended up then writing a book about the experience because it was so intense. They all shared this super intense experience with Doris. <laughs> he wrote a book about it called The Entity. Then The Entity be became a bestseller. And then when it was made into a movie, he wrote the screenplay and the same parapsychologist was the technical advisor on the movie. And so if I can like, be clear, it's a narrative 
book too. Not That's what like I was going to say. True crime. It's oh, a okay. narrative, oh. but at the same yeah. time, it's really based on what happened because yeah. everything that's documented is pretty much like either what she said happened or what they witnessed happened. So yeah. there's definitely some embellishments, but it's it's based on a true. Now, yeah. Can I just say, you know, we have a bit of a side hustle book club here. Yeah. Is this the part? Is this the part where one of you guys? Uh, says here's the hardcover. You guys don't have that. I don't have no. it. The paperback. No, no I know. Oh, we should have. Okay. I know it's Next it's, it's crazy. But, do the I, got, I, I will I say the offer is Frank de Felita. Frank. Oh, uh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, I was just gonna say, yeah, like it's interesting. Also on the Blu-ray, if you get the, get the Blu-ray, there's a, a special feature with the uh, parapsychologist uh, person who um, had went to her house and 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 in in the true story or the true the real story and had it had. Um, observed and he details all the things that he observed in the house and talks about not only just orbs of light but you know the the change in temperature the foul smell things shooting yeah. out of the you know uh cupboards and whatnot so it's it's pretty interesting you know in terms of just this being a part I, I, of this i have a dumb question sure why is this ghost so hostile towards her well i mean the Okay, so like like in the same vein, like it can be looked at in so many different ways. Like yeah. In okay. one way, it's the, you know, she was, she insinuated that her father molested her as a child. It's in the movie. After that, she had a string of abusive situations with men. Um, this is in one way, like I, the scene where she's talking to Ron Silver at the table, I think is actually a pretty beautifully acted scene where she's talking about her experiences from childhood and you know and, and from his pers- yeah i think they both did an amazing job and totally and from his perspective it's like this is part of that repression sort of coming back in a way she hasn't resolved yet at to all terrorize her. i think yeah. in another way <laughs> but also it's a real ghost i mean you right. know it's complicated with like the, any reading of it's complicated oh, so i'll just ask the same question it's like what is where's what's the perspective of the ghost because i guess what i'm saying is and i'm just opening it up to you guys and i'm curious like a lot of times ghosts have personalities yeah or maybe always ghosts have personalities in movies and this one is a complete you know void yeah. it's just well, it's unseen yeah. what's where, where's the ghost coming from i think that's important because i think it's a pro- like it's like when you talk about a like a projection yeah like the idea of like yeah. i wanted to talk about this as well like the idea of trauma itself right like the haunted house film you talked about monsters symbolizing people that make us uncomfortable the haunted house film is about like turmoil within the domicile yeah, within yeah. the domestic whether that's family totally. whether that's domestic violence relationships right. and it's in that environment right and so the the the, the trauma trauma acts in the same way a haunting is supposed to act right like it keeps on coming back it's reoccurring mm. and so i think it's this is a symbol of something that is reoccurring and basically will not let her go like this idea of these men in her life she hasn't she's she hasn't become free of them yet um, the bad so, memories yeah, yeah. The, the memories oh, the experiences traumas. the hold they yeah. have on her and, and in a in a weird way the film is about that like journey that she's uh, on. I don't want to I use the that's word like Twin it. Peaks kind of right it, that those like those those um the the people from the red yeah from the sim- dark the black lodge, black lodge. They eat negative totally. vibes right yeah. totally yeah. Yeah. oh they eat cream corn actually but, uh, <laughs> yeah negative Garmin Bosia um right can I can I tag in for a second here. Yeah. Can I, can I, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Let me just tag in here too because it's like, um, yeah, I, I I don't see it. I think the film, it, it's it's not binary as we were talking about yeah. in terms of like what the ghost is, right? You know, because it is about her trauma, and I think it's smart of the movie to ground it in this psychiatric sort of way with you know Ron Silver's Ron Silver's character and everything to kind of give it that weight. Um, and just real quick, back to real quick throwback to the first Ron Silver scene, just to show. Shout out to the filmmaking for a second. The, the 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 framing of just that dialogue sequence. If you go back and look to, I'll cut to it right here. There's some yeah. amazing framing that's very non-traditional in that, in just a simple dialogue scene that's showing you that a filmmaker is firing on a different cylinder uh, in this movie right there. But anyway, what I what I did wanted to say just to kind of bring it back to. Um, um, just a couple of things is really about Barbara Hershey because I think that this movie and then we should talk about the last act this movie because the clock is dying here um, yeah but Barbara Hershey, super shout out to her because I think she's a main reason why this movie I think is is pretty effective is because she's yeah, really I agree. able yes. to she delivers an incredible uh, performance uh, you know you, you know Danny Perry who who wrote all the cult movie books you familiar oh, with him do I <laughs> okay yeah of course he wrote a book called the alternate Oscars I don't know if you've ever picked up that but Not that um, one. No, it sounds awesome where he went through every freaking year and wrote like what the nominees should have been, but it's from Danny right. Perry of the cult <laughs> film books and uh, nominated for best actress, man. He, he chose Barbara Hershey. So that's um, great. I know. I love that. Uh, so, but it was Meryl Streep, right? Instead. Nah. So <laughs> yeah, probably. So quick. Yeah. But real <laughs> quick, just a quick, another, well, quick, another trivia moment. Barbara Hershey changes her name to Barbara Siegel, right? And the movie she did that in was last summer. Directed by Frank Perry, who mm. directed The Swimmer, OFH number, mm. OFH mm. number, episode number. Uh, I'll insert something. it here. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, crazy. Uh, but what's amazing about the her performance in this movie is um, the, what the filmmaker, uh, Sidney Fury, did for her, which is he actually shot the entire movie in order. So the whole movie was oh, wow. actually shot in sequential order in order for her to be able to pull off this performance. And if you really pick apart mm-hmm. all the scenes, like in like, you know, as difficult as that would be in terms of all the assault scenes, but just imagining those set pieces that she's having to act, you know, not just, but just in that to, 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 to make it effective as a horror film too. It's, inc- it's insane. And all the mirrors, we talked about the mirrors, you know, the film yeah, has like this, this- yeah, like the fracturing. Like I, I, it's like yeah. in terms of going through as a character, it's like, you know, you see all the fracturing of her sense of self in the same way any person who survives an assault like that or violence or you know abuse, it's like you go through this sense of losing yourself. You know, the amount of mirrors that are in the film. You have the three mirrors by her vanity. You have the mirror in the bathroom. They're everywhere. Up against the mirror. Yeah, there's this constant sense of identity, losing identity mm. through the assault, right? And yeah. then her need to be believed is so strong because her existence of what she's lived needs to be validated, right? The psychiatrist doesn't validate it. She wants to be believed so much. Finally, when she goes to her friend's house, her friend sees the glass smash through the window. She sees the phenomenon and she's like, oh mm-hmm. my God, you believe me, you believe me. And it's like her lived experience is finally validated. And that moment you see a turning point in her character where she starts to rebuild her like sense of self, her sense of strength. And then she goes to the parapsychologist. They sort of use her, but. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, you know, getting back to what I was saying before, like if this was a hundred years before she would have gone to the church 
yeah. because there was no psychoanalyst. And w w when people would go to the church, uh, it's the things that people would go to in modern times, then and you know around now, these two new centuries, twentieth um, and twenty-first. They'd go to a psychiatrist, or more to the point, they wouldn't. She would. She wouldn't go to church. Uh, Barbara Hershey's character does not go to church, but a lot of people would have yeah. Yeah. if they had a more base, simplistic, um, you know, faith. Um, also, she doesn't, in a way, it's funny, I'm hearing you say this, where else is she going to go for validation? I mean, there's a good friend, and that's cool, but what other choices does she have? I mean, she's yeah. grabbing at straws, and again, in this modern paradigm, it does default on, uh, hey, I'm feeling weird in the head at the very least, like, I, where do you go? You yeah. don't yeah. go to the church anymore. I guess you go to a psychiatrist, but what else is there? Yeah. Right. And it, there, it's right? so stupid. Other people who share, sorry, I'm, then yeah. I'm going to shut up. Maybe she didn't understand, and maybe this didn't exist, but a peer group. Yeah, like a support group of people. Yeah. Who yeah. yeah. I, maybe, she has yeah. kind of a deadbeat uh, boyfriend oh, yeah. who's Mo Green. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Know, so weird. <laughs> Al Alex Rocco. But he's yeah. he's not really very uh, helpful, you know. No, he's, he's, he's too Alex Rocco. Well, like all the people in her <laughs> life are failing her. Like all the adult men in her life are failing her in some way. Totally. And it's really about, I love the moment when at the end during the experiment, um, the rehearsal, when Ron Silver says like, listen, come with me. We can, we can figure this out. We can, I'll make that contact with you. We can make that contact together. And she just looks at him in this cold way and she's like, I don't want to make that contact. Right. And there's just something that's so interesting. Like she's, it's sort of the, the Hollywood trope of this the intellectual guy who's going to come and save the. Save yes. The yes. Totally. Like, I don't, and it's, and he's, I'm done with you. people. And his character is, is stereotypical, but it's cut under at the knees and he yeah. doesn't like uh, have a savior thing happen. Right. Can I just, if, if Evan, what? Just refereeing, if we're going to put a button on, Bet, uh, sorry, whoops, if we're going to put a button on uh, the great casting of uh, Barbara Hershey, can I just throw out there uh, that they asked Joe Clayberg, mm -hmm. Sally Field, yeah. Jane Fonda, and my favorite, Bette Midler. Oh. So can you guys get that around your head? Yeah. And Marcus, can you scare up an entity starring Bette Midler graphic <laughs> for me, please? Well, yes. she was. The, my birthday's coming was. up. Well, that'd be great. She was in Bette Midler and Barbara Hirsch. She did star together in Beaches yeah. a few years well, later. That's right. Lose focus, though. Like, <laughs> Bette Midler. The answer. Oh. <laughs> Why bother? Okay. All right. Time out. Time out. We right? got to do. We got to get Ouch. back on track. We got. Wait, we, I want to talk. Can I talk about the orgasm? Can we talk about the orgasm? Uh, okay, no, okay, talk about the <laughs> orgasm. I know you're here. You want to get orgasm in. Uh, so okay. do, do that, but then throw back. There's one thing I've been wanting, waiting to respond okay. to Tom on something for about 20 minutes. But go, go ahead. Go back. Go, go. You go. Okay. Um, well, just what you were saying is like uh, about the, um, in terms of the ghost motivation, the POV of the ghost. And it's kind of interesting because I'm not sure, maybe, Remy, you can quickly clarify if it was in, if this was in fact in the book, if the sort of paranormal rehearsal was in the book or not. Because <clears throat> I sort of feel that the movie. Uh, wrestles with the idea, um, and I, I think this is a producer's influence on on a film. Wrestles with the idea of like, okay, where do we go with this? Because as you know, at the end of the film, there's a little Chiron or whatever that comes up that says she's still being haunted to this day. The person yeah. in the real story, right? So I think at some point they had to devise some sort of, I don't know, Hollywoodish third act that would give us some yeah, sort of I big know. payoff, resolution. some big resolution. Well, 
Can I tell you the reason behind it or no? Uh, you can. I just thought it was interesting that the producers themselves of this movie kind of weren't, didn't know what to do with this ghost or what this ghost was supposed to be either. But, Rami? Yeah. Okay, well, it's kind of weird. From the interviews of the parapsychologist, basically what he said is that the writer of the screenplay said, okay, let's say UCLA gave you all the money in the world right. during this situation with Doris. What would you guys have done? And he's like, well, I would have taken a laboratory setting, recreated her home, isolated the entity. In, and that's what in the, my parapsychology book, they say that like their dream is basically to like create this controlled environment where they can manipulate and isolate these experiences. Um, so that's why they put it in the movie. It's like wish um, well-funded. It's a well-funded paranormal yes. department. Yeah. <laughs> now, now this is the part of the show, everybody. And we'll be brief, Evan, all of us. Please. But uh, all of us independently, when we were recently rewatching The Entity, immediately thought of, of course, Nathan Fielder yes. and the rehearsal. That's all I'm going to say, you guys, just opening it up here. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, even just it, it looks when you're there's that one shot where it's like you're in the gymnasium and oh it pans God. over and you see the back of the theater flat theater wall flats. And you really yeah. see that. and It really does look like him, you know, building the it's alligator. The lounge. same shot. The same the way they're walking through it almost the same shit. way he does too. I like, know. It's like only functional fridge. Like <laughs> anyway, it was totally mental. It was the most mental moment I had. Yeah. I was like, like you know, I've never. Well, it seen, it's like maybe the only other right. example of that the rehearsal like does nathan fielder know about the entity? well remember the also the episode that nathan for you about the ghost house the real the ghost realtor right yeah. anyway so that oh that it, right and uh nathan for you right yeah yeah, anyway. yeah. anyway um, but that the, scene the twi oh go ahead no i was gonna say that was, that scene reminded me of demon seed a lot which also i'm like oh, yes demon seed, which yes. also deals with Oops. rape by a very strange computerized force, you know? house and, like yeah hell <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah, yeah like a yeah. howl, like, and, and she's trapped in that house that sort of feels like a set, you know? And when, yeah, when totally. the helium is moving around and she, I think that scene is really Dude, I want to just say real yeah. quick, when that, when that, <laughs> when those, when those liquid helium guns, like those fucking American gladiator looking guns are roaming around, like that's, that's some crazy <laughs> shit, man. You want one of those Nintendo games. I want one of those. Yeah, I, do. I, I yeah. love that they put like a liquid nitrogen bomb above her, and yeah. then they give. They know that the ghost can like move things and operate things, and they're like, let's give him some laser cannons and, and a bomb, and like a basically a bomb that can go off above her at well, any time. Well, yeah, he can, but we'll we'll put up some glass to protect her. And never mind that. Like every five minutes in this movie, every piece of glass and frame is is destroyed <laughs> well, like, loudly. Very Marcus. Like she's alone by the end of the movie, right? By the end of the movie, mm. she's alone with the entity basically like like mm -hmm. what i was saying before is like all these different people are constantly failing her like the deadbeat boyfriend leaves her because he can't handle it you know the father betrayed her the psychiatrist is not validating her and the the paranormal guy she thinks oh these are the guys who get me and yeah the commentary says that yeah. like basically they use her as a, a lab rat and she's yeah. completely objectified and put in extreme danger and that situation yeah. Right, but then That's the psychologist—it's the reading of it's complicated though, because the psychologist runs in and like saves her yeah. from the, you know, like so but it's like you know, in this, any him. clear sort of like, you know, metaphorical reading of it's complicated because you're like, well, the psychology guy saved her. I think end, that's you know? I think that's producerial confusion. I honestly mm -hmm. do. I, I yeah, think that. I bet. 
I, I actually think that there's a lot to extrapolate, you know, out of that, like what you're saying, Rami, like 100 yeah. percent. But but I do think there's produce like producer confusion on the themes or what it's supposed to be, because it's somebody at the end of the day. Tom, you said at the top of the episode, this is a bummer ass movie. You know that some producers were watching <laughs> yeah, this and trying to and trying and probably trying to steer it in one direction. And I know evidence yeah. of that. A hundred percent evidence of that is the last line of the movie. Welcome home. Gaunt. You yeah, know, it sounds like Freddy Krueger. Yeah, like, that's yeah. not that's and she she yeah. hated so that. unnecessary. Everyone hated that. Like everyone, <laughs> everyone hated it. It was like a producer. Note. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, because it just yeah. felt like that wasn't the tone. Like we said, the tone is no. sort of like it's about her experience. It's yeah. it's real. It's authentic. It's producer hijinks. I hundred percent. Yeah. Sure. Okay, Rami, it's like setting oh. up the sequel. They're hoping for a sequel, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah I've another two hours of this shit. Yeah. Well, okay, but um, really the prosthetic boobs, which also a little is pretty, bit. that's pretty wild. But the orgasm scene is interesting because, I mean, we don't have much time to go into this. Go for it. But I think that is also really interesting in the vein of like the ways that people try to make women like compl complicit in their own assault. And so I thought mm. that was a very key scene because, and the same thing happens in like yeah. Straw Dogs. It's, it, you know, yeah. Fire Walk With Me has that moment. Like it, it, it's mm -hmm. very, very complicated. And often whether it's a woman on trial, whether it's a woman at the doctor, whether it's a woman, you know, just being discredited. It's like, if you, if your body responds to the rape, it, the insinuation right. is you are somehow complicit in the rape because your body. And, and what you're saying is it's, it's because the ghost was sneaky and did it when she was sleeping. Exactly. So and, she didn't have a f full consciousness. And and it's like regardless of what the reason is, like it it doesn't ever justify assault. And that's something that's always been used over and over again. Right. Like I said, when people are interrogating women. But there was a part that was cut out of the movie that was in the script, supposedly was shot. Oh boy. Um, the this... ghost is making her have ancestral dreams about her son. Because her son supposedly is just putting <laughs> this wouldn't be this her, wouldn't be a Ramy uh, one fucking hour without uh, some reference I'm to that. Sorry. But go on. I'll skip over it very quickly because no one wants to hear about this. But um, but fuck. I do. I do. No, I do. No, no, no. no I feel it's like just I'm funny. Saying. It's no, just no, no, funny. no, no. The, the consistency. The, uh, the, the, it is. They cut it out because it was like they were like, you know what? We don't want to go there. But then it is insinuated. There is an insinuation that yeah. the psychiatrist is claiming that. So. Yeah, that's yeah. Can I bring something up about the the, the teenage son? Yeah. Uh, I just did a little reading, and um, you know, we're saying that she's a very much alone woman. More and more and more, she's alone, alone, alone. Where does her friend go, by the way? That the female friend. Yeah. Like she's more and more alone. She does have this like pretty much adult aged son who yeah. lives with her and, and obviously loves her and cares about her. No, no. But what I read was um, during one of the times when he's part of the attack, the actor yes. broke his wrist. Yeah. And so they had to write him out. And in fact, you just kind of see him fleetingly, you know, in the second half of the movie and going like this is I got this thing because of the ghost, you know, and he shows up a cast. Yeah, so what yeah. I'm saying is like, like, uh, is that maybe for unfortunate practical reasons that, that he had to recede as a character? Because I mean, well, what I'm saying is Tom, that is a person on her side. Right? Tom, yeah, Tom, yeah, sure. that, that happened. That happened in the real story, by the way. Supposedly it happened in both situations. The Wait, actor and the, and the son broke his arm during that. Well, that was the rehearsal. <laughs> and they yeah, went no. to do trivia night. Right. Yeah. Uh, but right. dude, anything dude. in the book seems to be uh, questionable, you know, since the book has the big 
<laughs> the big ending. I know, but I'm just saying, no, like, I, uh, I aside from <laughs> the impossibility of everything, the book does have the big ending, right? I don't so, think like, it does. I don't, I don't think it I know does. The screenplay. The screenplay does. That was. I don't know. If, I don't think mm. the book has. It, yeah. Yeah. But, um, oh, what, sorry, what were you saying about the sun? I'm sorry. Just oh. he he broke his arm in the real story. The sun in the real oh, story broke weird. his arm during one of the attacks. Yeah. Okay. So, now I'm creeped out. Yeah. So Are be you fucking for real. We're yeah, for real, dog. Supposedly, so be supposedly. be well, be creeped well, out. But I believe I everything now. Also say that women against happened. pornography, women against pornography organization in the 80s protested this movie when it came out in london in 1982 there were huge feminist protests sort of militant feminists who obviously had never seen the movie who were saying mm. you know depicting women being assaulted and blah blah, blah. and so that, i think that really hurt the movie and it really hurt barbara hershey i'm bringing a this lot up just yeah. to kind of bring it back to like why this kind of receded in a lot of ways and that and i think at the time there was so much happening politically um that it, it, instead of understanding that the movie is a metaphor and it is really a feminist film in so many ways that it was it was you know sort of shoved under the rug basically by saying oh it's depicting women as you know victims but it's actually talking about the nuances of trauma and well, you, you just said it you can assume that no one protesting actually saw the film. Yeah. Right. They protested very, a synopsis, you know. Right. Yeah. I mean, I would yeah. say also, like, I mean, that's that's probably true. That's true, and I believe that. But I think it is sort of an oblong movie, too. Like, it has some inconsistencies. It has some deficiencies, I think. You know, like, I was really happy when the Ghostbuster guys showed up, but then that's because the movie's so heavy, and then you're like, okay, good, some other characters to lighten things. But they kind of failed to do that, like, very effectively, and – the psychologist relationships, he's like fighting with them and it feels kind of like weak. like their struggle feels a little weak. The film has some deficiencies, I think, just beyond like, well, you know, getting banned or whatever that I think probably I love that. I love it. I had a great time, you know, as a movie, but like, I just think I had some like deficiencies yeah. as a film that would like I'm going to keep it like on the back burner. Anyway. But it's very, very. Yeah, Effective. it's not it's not a poltergeist, but yeah, I, I think it's a gem. I think it's definitely a gem, and I'm going to push back a little bit in saying that I think that these are some of the most well-executed horror scenes I've ever seen, and I, I'm going to just say it here. Like, I, I honestly think between the sound design, between the camera construction, between the performance, like, honestly, going back to what we were talking about at the top of the show, it's like even, you know, a 13-year-old girl who finds all the shit we grew up on hokey as shit, you know, right. like all those movies... You take all the history still, of films, uh, The Shining, Kubrick. That's you know whatever. Out. Yeah, or like well, Silence of the Lambs. This? That's not scary at all, you know. Yeah. And then well, this how is about like this? it was it was uh, the fuel to power this avant-garde film, Outer Space. Oh, you know? there we go. Okay. So just let's say that really quickly. Somebody, uh, uh, Tom, Marcus. Or... Oh, well, Peter uh, Cherkasky, known for uh, um, you know doing found footage things, did this very powerful, insane kind of looping few seconds of, of the film, The Entity. And it's a very intense, hypnotic, powerful, experimental avant-garde film. And I think it's half of it can be credited to the power of what he's using, which is the film, The Entity. Seek oh, it out. Yeah. Outer space. Out. Yeah. We'll, we'll show you some clips of it. Yeah. And I think also, like I said, The Haunting, those two films mm -hmm. about sort of like a mental breakdown, the fracturing of a woman's mind mixed with like the, the terror of that experience. I think both of those those films really like bring that point home. Be a good so double feature. Double, great double feature, yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> that was a... Oh. <laughs>
That was yeah, right. We did it. That was a cage match and a half, one fucking oh. hour on the entity. Um, I'm sure we oh, left man. some stuff on there, but uh, I wanted to shout out Kayla's book, Kayla Janice's book. Yeah, because if you guys have a copy, anyone has a copy of this book, she has an amazing uh, essay in it that talks about her childhood experience with the entity and the you know oh, wow. ideas of trauma. When I talked about the reoccurring haunt and how that reflects trauma, she talks about this in a really eloquent, beautiful, affecting See, way. I knew, awesome. I knew there'd be books. Just I yeah, know I know. Uh -huh. yeah. yeah, just yeah. This special. Is, this is a book. Uh, She's an old friend. Yeah, special shout out to Kayla Janice. Goes, um, and uh, known her for like twenty years. Yeah, yeah, oh ten. God. 10-ish for me as well. The uh, House of Psychotic Women by Kayla Janice. It's a great book. Uh, it's a per it's a very personal, her kind of personal uh, life story, but also her journey through these movies that share a lot of themes yeah. that she, you know, kind of relates to with her life story. And it's a very powerful read, but it also turns you on to a ton of amazing films. Oh, um, and uh, I, I also just wanted to say, too, that after I did uh, watch The Entity and then pick up Kayla's book and, 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 and it was like, you know, it was it was, it was perfect because it was a perfect companion to just you know being exposed to this film. So, definitely yeah. check out that book. Um, and uh, just real quick, let's talk about uh, thanks, Ramy. You know, for coming on the show for with yeah. with, with, with another Demento. Happy uh, Fucktober. Yeah, Glad you could join us. One fucking tober. Yeah, and, and about it on our and our fuck anniversary is happening right now. So, a lot of exciting one fucking hour news happening right now. I it's know. That's right, everybody. Uh, this is our one-year anniversary. I can't freaking believe it. This wow. month we're celebrating. Oh, my God. What? Mind-blowing. What? It's insane. Did one we do a bunch year. of movies in the past year? <laughs> yeah, we did. any of them. We did like, Mask. We did oh. Cracking Up. We, we did, did Mask. Boy, did <laughs> we do Mask. Great. Yeah. We did Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've done, some, we've, we've done some wild shit, but in case we've you live some in places. We really have, but in case you've been yeah. living under a rock, we've uh, this whole month we've devoted to uh, uh, horror flicks and uh, for for what we're calling one fucking tober, um, and we are now just entering now the midway point uh, with next week. So just wanted to give a special shout out to next week's episode, what what it's going to be, just so you guys can uh, get your pre watch in before we talk about it. Uh, Tom, yeah. you want to set it up a little bit? It's uh, the film well, Ganja and Hess. Uh, Ganja and Hess, Bill Guns. 1972, Ganja and Hess, a very special film. It was uh, kind of lost, and then in the past 10, 15 years, it's been rediscovered, thankfully, good Blu-ray restorations and whatnot. Uh, it's a rare one, uh, and uh, thankfully, it's seen the light of day. But it's also rare in what it is. It's just a really strange film. It, it uh, Again, there's sort of strange parallels happening in these selections, accidentally, that I feel there's some connections with Martin, actually, mm, yeah. uh, because they're both modern-day vampires quote-unquote yeah. films and also there's not a uh, there's some bits of modernity meets the supernatural mm. in Ganjin Hess as well uh, but I, what I wanted to do to be perverse was actually wanted to do an hour on blood couple which is the VHS <laughs> uh, bastardization of Ganjin Hess which was the only way to see Ganjin Hess for years on VHS that by the way you can watch Ganjin Hess somehow in streaming land but also blood couple the same film but a different film uh it's on youtube you can watch okay. that that would be strange and interesting to watch because i i just all i'm saying is next week i am going to get into what happened to this film because i think it's actually more interesting than just like 
yeah. that they cut it down or something. There was another right. creative person who took the footage and made his own film. Weird. So, you know, it, it'll be Ganja and Hess plus. Oh, awesome. So uh, that'll be next week, October 17th. That episode drops uh, next week. And then uh, the week after that, uh, for one fucking Tober, uh, get your pre-watch in, everybody, for October yeah, 24th. Yeah, a huge mistake. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. We're, hopefully we don't regret it. No, I think it's going to be great. It's, uh, no, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, yeah. Wait. It is a Canadian shot on Super 8, motherfucker, uh, from 1989 <laughs> film called Things. Okay? Now, this movie... Holy shit. I released it on DVD uh, in another lifetime. It seems like another lifetime. And uh, Tom yeah. did an audio commentary track, Sight Unseen. He did the audio commentary for a film he's never seen, which is, I don't think has ever been done before. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> not common. But, yeah. Not common, but it yeah, was it was common. great. So we're going to kind of play some of that, you know, because I think yeah. it'd be funny to play some of that back on the air. Like we'll you talk and me will go back 10 years or so. Yeah. It's, yeah. Things appreciation. It yeah. is. It's going to be great, but also special <laughs> guest. Yeah. It's going to be amazing. Also special guest. Joey Izzo is going to be back. He was on our, um, our amazing yeah, yeah. Um, one fucking hour in American movie. We did. He'll be back. And Joey, you know, Hey, Joey Izzo. So, Hey, Joey's um, good people. Yeah. Joey's good on the channel. Here, so, um, uh, that's how he talks. That's yeah. how it, that's exactly how he sounds. Joey from uh, Brooklyn. Yeah, Joey is so. You know, Joey is so loves Canadian uh, movies. Joey from Bed Yeah. Um, so uh, we can't let you go without your moment of Zen. <laughs> but I need to. That. We are. It's oh, kind of insane. Up, I'm going I to love it. I'm going to set up the moment of Zen because we have two. I, I actually want to. Let's huh? watch. Let's watch one together. <laughs> Now, okay, because I have it here, and I, I went to all the goddamn trouble, and then I'm gonna set up okay. the second one, okay, and that's and that'll be our send off. So the first double one is dipping. double dipping on the moment here. Um, no, so there's no rules. Uh, there's no rules here. Um, Ramy's here. The hour. Yes, that's we're 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 beyond <laughs> that shit. Um, so Tom, the filmmaker, one more time, Ramy, the filmmaker of the experimental works again is. Uh, I might be mispronouncing the last name, but it's Peter Cherkasky. Okay, there you go. Yeah. So Peter, Peter Cherkasky. Yeah, he, he he's done a couple of projects based around the entity, right, Rim? Is that is that right? Or well, two 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 shorts. Two, two shorts. Short films, yeah. Oh, two two short films, and it's cool how he did it. Cause I think he got a what a print of the movie, and just yeah. fucking went to town on it, <laughs> like thrashing it, thrashing it up, and recutting yeah, thrashing it. Thrashing the thrashing. Thrashing wow. the thrasher. <laughs> the yeah, Wild style. Yeah, exactly. So I, I just I just picked a little um a little uh segment here. Hopefully the audio plays for you guys. If it doesn't it'll play for the folks at home. But here, just okay. check out a little twenty four second snippet of this short film. I'll put the link to the full film because it's on YouTube in the description of this video, so you can check that out. Sick. But Great. here's a little here's a little moment sample for you. Is it you gonna all. be extremely loud? I hope not. Here we go. <laughs> <And> extremely close. <laughs> Uh, okay, hold on. Wow, so weird. It's wild. You see it after just watching the YouTube. It's really hard to get the video. It's like, how he's watching that. Right. So cool. I kind of wish it looked like that. So 
that's pretty dope and uh it's dope. and that's like yeah. a half an hour <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah it yeah. is it's, it's pretty very cool. intense experience so turn yeah. it all the way up and yep. yeah get a big screen tv and yeah none of that market outer shit. Space yeah for sure um all right yeah. don't want you on your phone <laughs> your second moment your second moment is something you never saw coming something that happened a lot in the 80s with movies very weird that this is real okay but there is an entity atari game oh shut up <laughs> are you serious prototype. yes prototype uh prototype right yeah. no way yes but you can get it yeah that's at the peak of the gold rush to like everybody was like and you and you got to make an atari game you know right. like yeah everyone was making dude like Atari and, and guess what? There's a mirror. <laughs> right exactly. Right before the crash. Exactly. So, so, yeah. <laughs> so I, I had to wow. set it up because we're, we're going to look at, for your moment, we're going to look at a little gameplay uh, from oh, the entity Atari Real 2600 uh, prototype. Yeah, it's pretty fucking insane. It's real. You can also play it. You can also play it in the Wayback Machine or Archive.org or whatever has it. So um, I'll also cool. throw the link to Fine. that if you want to play the Entity video game after you fuck with this do. hour. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm already playing the Entity game, man. <laughs> <laughs> so all right, everybody. Well, that that is uh, those nice, were. Nice dig, dude. Yeah, those were your moment of zen. And uh, we will see you next week uh, for yeah. One Fucking Hour in Ganjin Hess. Rami Bennett, always a pleasure. Thanks for coming back and warping our heads, uh, as always. And uh, we'll see you all. Uh, yeah, we'll see you soon. All right, peace. Motherfucking goddamn orange peel beef. That was wicked, man. <laughs>